0: welcome to the significant strike podcast i'm your host soft weekly and with me always is our expert handicapper val duar we got an interesting card coming up this week off a very exciting one last week boy you, you just can't ask for more that card last week was incredible um i got some stuff wrong val got some stuff right especially on the one we disagreed on val how's it going tonight
1: it's going great. Uh, sitting down watching the NFL draft and feeling good about the profit we made last week. We um, did
0: all right, didn't we?
1: Yeah, we did. So I figure we'll start with the the recap. Yep. Um so we ended up going uh five and five overall, but two of those losses were point .1 unit bets. The the bets on Usman finished around four and five and then a .25 unit bet on Jimmy Cruz by submission, just you know, uh, long shot value plays. And then our, we lost our half unit bet on uh Cowboy Ilaveri. He looks like he's about done, honestly, at this yes, point. Yes, he
0: does. That's what I thought, too, because I, I used to have high hopes for him.
1: Me too. Me too. Um, yeah, and then the only full unit bet we lost was Jimmy kroot which he got leg kicked, looked like the, uh what is it, peritoneal nerve went out and uh, just his leg went totally numb, kind of the same thing that happened to Sean O'Malley a couple months back to Vince Vera. Even then, he still got two takedowns before the round ended and it was called by the doctor, which that's the most Anthony Smith way to win ever, get taken down twice by a guy with no leg and lose. But we lost the Jimmy (laughs) Crute bet. Um,
0: Which I felt good about that one as well.
1: Yeah. Uh but so we'll start from the beginning with our wins. First we had Dana Bagriel, he got the KO in like what was it 50 seconds. Yep. Um so we had one unit on that to win 0.556 units. Uh then we had uh Brandon Allen, he got uh heel hook, ankle lock, don't know remember exactly what it was, but the submission. We had 1.45 to win one unit on him. Um Then Valentina, the spread from our supplemental episode. We bet 1.5 units on that to win 0.882 units. And then the big one. uh, Well, yeah, the big one. Because Thug Rose, 1.5 units at plus 180 odds to win 2.7 units. That cashed in the first minute 20 seconds with that best head kick knockout since Anderson Silva. Um, and then last of all, we got the Uswin minus 5.5 spread, uh, one unit to win 0.526 units. We end with a total of 3.702 units profit for UFC 261. That takes us to a total of, let me double check... A total of ten point one five two units after three weeks, uh, twelve and eight record overall. So we're doing pretty good. Yeah, averaging not, not just ba- over three units per week.
0: Yeah, not bad. If if you would have stayed with us and uh, spent a hundred dollars on our bets, you'd have a thousand
1: now. Yes, sir. All right, cool. So- all right, let's jump in to let's, this next one. Let's
0: jump in. Um, I'm looking – you know where I look, so you probably got the fights in order where my rundown's going to be a little bit different. So you just start out where you are, and I'll follow
1: along. Yeah, so um, I'm going to look past the first one, Luke Sanders versus Felipe Kolaris. These are guys that – it's pre, it's a pretty low-level fight. And, yeah, just moving – the first two, actually, I don't have much to say about the second one, Andres Michalidas, he fought his UFC debut against Modestis Bukowskis. I think it was last year. And it was, it was kind of an interesting one because he got the crap beat out of him for a round. He's a big chubby guy for 205, though he's moving down to 185 for this one. Maybe he slimmed down. But anyway, we got the crap beat out of him. He was exhausted. And at the end of the round, he was leaning against the cage door. So after the round, they open the cage door. He just falls out the door. And I remember they, that. <laughs> yeah, and they say, all, all, all right, fight's over. So, officially, uh he lost by retirement. That, and then KB Buller, it, it, he's not great either. Tom Brees just, I mean, we've only seen him once in the UFC, and Tom Brees is a good fighter, but Tom Brees absolutely wrecked him. So, I, there's really not much to say. about. Uh, Mikhalidis is a big, big favorite, probably because he's a powerful light heavyweight moving down against a not-so-powerful middleweight, but but yeah, cardio is I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust either be... yeah I, I wouldn't trust either of them with my money
0: No and for Michael he he does he does have the the power advantage for sure but uh he's shown his cardio to be bad and dropping a weight class yeah. could make it only worse
1: Yeah just a lot of questions for two guys who have only had one UFC fight Um all right so on to this fight I have a little bit to talk about only cuz I really like look on me as a fighter the odds though Minus 400, not really favorable for placing a bet. But she's the first Thai fighter in the UFC. So she's a true muay, like a a true Thai boxer for those who aren't familiar with the lingo. And she she has some of the best uh, Muay Thai fundamentals in MMA. She uses elbows in the clinch really well. She cut up her last opponent, Jin Yu Frey, really, really bad with them. Um, she's 2-1 and one in the UFC. Her only loss to Angela Hill, who's you know a long-time veteran. No real shame there. But just I like what she brings to the table a lot as far as Muay Thai. Her opponent, Sam Hughes, is a wrestler and not a good one for UFC level. Yes, yeah, um, so that's she fair. She lost her debut to Tisha Torres. She lost to Vanessa Dimopoulos in LFA, uh, LFA title fight, which I, I saw. I didn't see that fight. But I saw another one of Demopolis and Demopolis herself isn't UFC level. So I'm not sure why Hughes, how Hughes has made her way into the UFC, but she has. But, uh, I just want to say that Luma Lupo is, is really talented with her Muay Thai, but this fight isn't, isn't bettable at all. Maybe I would take the minus 3.5 spread if it was available and at favorable odds, but it's not there. So I mean, decision or, or knockout she will get. I'm very confident in that, but not betting it.
0: Yeah, I I checked both these fighters out some. I didn't do a lot on it because I looked at the line and uh you and I feel the same way about this. I'm not going to bet 390. You know, I'm just not going yeah. to bet a -390 because anything can happen in the UFC and that's that's too that's too much to lay down for too little return in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So the next fight, well the next fight actually has a connection to the fight after it. So I'm going to skip ahead to the fight after it. Gabriel Benitez versus Jonathan oh, Pierce. Oh yeah, I
0: like this fight.
1: Jonathan, it's, it's an interesting one. At first I thought there might be value on Pierce, but he didn't impress me as much as, uh, uh one of my colleagues who I talked to about, uh, about betting lines and stuff. Um, Benitez has, Mowgli, as they call him, has really nice kicks. Body, just powerful, cracking body kicks. Um, but, and Pierce, the reason I skipped ahead though is because Pierce fought Kai Kamaka, right. who is fighting it right before him, fighting against TJ Brown. And, and that's, he beat that's him. a really, he beat him very convincingly, but Pierce didn't, He Pierce got wrecked by Joe Lozon. Joe Lozon, an old Joe Lozon at this point, beat him inside of two minutes in his UFC debut. He came back against Kai Kamaka, who's, Staring down the barrel a bit, uh, I mean, he has one win in the UFC and then the one lost in the UFC, but I don't, I don't think he's UFC level and neither do I think TJ Brown is UFC level who's 0-2 in the UFC. Um, but yeah, Kakamaka just got totally flattened out by, uh, Jordan, P- Jonathan Pierce and, uh, destroyed. I mean, he pounded on him until the referee had to take, uh, had to take him off and, yeah. Uh, just Pierce in general has his good takedown game. He he just showed horrible defense in the Lozon fight, but versus Kamaka, he was moving his head and keeping his hands up. Um, though it could just be the levels in fighting, you know. But he was able to take Kamaka down with ease. He his pro, top pressure was smothering. Though all of this has to be taken with a grain of salt because of the level of opponent that Kai Kamaka is. Um. We, we have he, to be fair about... He's countering level changes with so, uppercuts.
0: Sorry to cut yeah. you off real quick. I was just going to say, we have to be fair, though, about... He did get destroyed by Lozon, but you're talking about,
1: you know, Joe Lozon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. A legend. Yeah, for for sure. It just shows that he's... I mean, these old guys, Joe Lozon, Jim Miller, they're of a certain level. They they and They were great, but they're of a certain level now where... They serve a purpose to the UFC to fight these young guys and see what level these young guys are at and Pierce didn't pass that test you know he didn't pass that test and stayed in the in the bottom part of that division um but Benitez in this spot I think he gets the win just he's really really sharp sharp with his kickboxing he he I mean he's fought tough tough competition in in his last in two of his last three UFC fights, Sadiq Youssef, who, who was a great co-main event against yeah. Arnold Allen, he got he knocked him out. He went to a decision with Omar Malaralis, who was an undefeated or was an undefeated prospect at the time. Um, he, he and he has losses to Barzola and Andre Feely on his record, which Feely Max Holloway once said Andre Feely is the toughest guy he ever faced. So that's that's great coming from Max Holloway. But his last fight, he uh, beat Justin James with a knee to the body. James just couldn't take it and went out. Uh I, I think these odds are about appropriate. I mean, the things that Pierce... Do- Pierce kind of reminds me of Austin Hubbard in that he's not great at anything, but he's decent all around. Austin Hubbard we saw two weeks ago. Um, He he's just not the type of fighter that I think can beat Benitez. Or I think he can beat Benitez. I just don't think he will beat Benitez, if you know what I mean. Benitez is the bigger guy coming down from lightweight to one forty five, although he was a bit of a small lightweight. So I don't I don't think it'll be too hard of a cut for him. And I I'll just say it again, his kicks are something special. He he puts real power into them. You hear them, uh, not just his kicks, his knees, everything with the lower half of his body is, has some slap on it. So I think these odds are about appropriate. Um, it, it's, it's a dog or pass situation though, because Benitez hasn't shown himself to be of a, uh, you know, a consistent enough level where he can consistently beat guys. He, like, you know, you look at his record, it's two wins, a loss, a win, a loss, two wins, two losses, a win. So he's just kind of up and down a mainstay in the bottom half of this 145, 155 pound division, depending on where he's fighting.
0: So you call this as a, you got a feeling, but you wouldn't put money on it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I lean Benitez, but he's minus 200. I'm not, I'm not playing that kind of juice on a oh, guy. Oh yeah. Who, See, I don't.
0: I see him at yeah. uh i see him at five dimes for one ninety and I would take that, but most of the other places it's two hundred or more, and I wouldn't do it for mm-hmm. that
1: so that's a close yeah, one depend- even up to two twenty five
0: yeah he's two on Betway and uh he's two on bookmaker yeah.
1: right and yeah I, so I, and i I do think Pierce can cause him some problems though. Pierce does string combos together nice, but he gets overextended and leaves himself open to counters. I like how he ends his combos with leg kicks. Um, it's just something more people need to do instead of just thinking hands, yeah. do hands, 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 leg kick. So this um, is, um, and he's decent in the clinch, decent takedown game and top pressure, but nothing special.
0: Yeah. So this isn't a disagreement. We both think he'll wins, but. Not our not our official uh, prognostications, but just a soft weekly smell test. I would put a unit, maybe a half unit on Benitez to win this. Because I see a lot of what you do, but I understand why you don't want to make this an official pick.
1: Yeah, so um, moving on to Random Marquez versus Luana Pinheiro. This is, I, I like Pinheiro. I watched... Her fights uh, down in was it Brave and um, her contender series fight. She's coming. She's on a what six straight first round finish. Yep, run which is good. But you expect that from these prospects coming out of smaller organizations. She's fighting in Brave and for that Federico fight for which is a local Brazilian promotion. She only has one loss in her career, which is also the only time she's gone the distance in her career, and it was a split decision loss to Chris McFerr in uh, 2017 in All Fights promotion, um, which that fight, it didn't tell me much, except for that she does have the cardio to... I mean, it's not amazing cardio, but she does have the cardio to not be completely gassed at the end of three rounds, because I wasn't sure of that, seeing her other fights, because she's usually not going three rounds. Um, And her opponent, Random Marcos, is the definition of average she's well typology lists her as 10 10 and 1 but on the ufc if you watch official ufc broadcasts she's listed as 10 11 and 1
0: sure dog um, he has her at 10 10 too
1: yeah so it's either way so she has the second most fights in weight history she's very active fought three times in 2020 uh lost all of them though thought three times in 2019 went two and one beating Ashley Yoder in a split decision that she arguably lost, which Ashley Yoder sucks. She armbarred Angela Hill. That that's an impressive one. Um that is one of only two impressive wins on her record, the other being a win a split decision win over Carla Esparza back in twenty seventeen. But you look at the rest of the record, losses to uh, Courtney Casey, Alexa Grasso, Nina Ansaroff, now Nunez, Claudia Gedelia, Amanda Ribas, Mackenzie Dern, they're Jessica, all mainstays right, in Jessica the strawweight Pina. division. But then you get to her last fight, which, which those are, there's not that much shame in losing to those women. But then you get to her last fight, Kanako Murata, who was a UFC debutante in that fight. And Murata was just able to dominate her with takedowns and even with striking, even though she's not a striking. Um, you know, Marcos will would use her long rhythm, which for those not familiar with, long versus short rhythm. Long rhythm is bouncing in and out where short rhythm is moving side to side. And then when she uses her long rhythms, it's, it's like what Rose does bounce in and out, then explode, except for her explosions are so telegraphed and not that fast that even low level strikers like Murata are able to get out of the way. And uh, then Marco still continues coming and leaves her open for leaves her open to counter strikes with her sloppy combos um, she'll randomly throw spinning back fists which I've never seen payoffs for that um and even against Murata, who again is not a striker uh, or tr- not traditionally seen as a striker she's more of a judo slash wrestler um she she couldn't effectively counter her the one thing she does have in this fight is submissions off of her back she has four UFC wins by or four pro wins by armbar uh, including the one against angela hill but but she tried one against uh Murata in that fight and Murata just passed the legs easily and got in a side control. And when she's taken down, as I believe, uh, Pinero will be able to do if she wants in this fight because Pinero's a black belt in judo. Um, she, she accepts her position. You know, you see a lot of guys like Masvidal. This, he gets taken down. He's right away, uh, pushing his, uh, scooting his way towards the fence, shrimping or trying to posture up on a, onto an elbow. Uh, hip heist or trying to get butterfly guard hand uh, feet on hips and push off to get back up. she like, eventually Marcos eventually will work her way back up usually, but she doesn't, isn't scrambling right from the get go. She just accepts that position. She Murata was able to ground and pound her really well, as well as several of her other fighters, um, her other opponents. That is, um, one, so, so she really has two things going for her that I see is that she trains at a tri-star, which is some, you know, really high level coaching. Right. And she has the second most fights in UFC strawweight history after Angela Hill, like I said. um, So she definitely has an experience. Uh, She definitely has the experience advantage over Luana Pinheiro here, but Pinheiro has nice hands. She's knocking girls down with just charging in with intensity. Uh, I, her her technique isn't at the at like a super high level, but a lot of these girls coming off the regional scene aren't. She, but she, what she does have, which a lot of these girls, these new girls coming into the UFC do have, is power and intensity. I mean, she throws with bad intentions. <laughs> like if you watch her contender series knockout, she circles her opponent for a while, and then she finds the, when she sees an opening, she charges in, does shifting, uh, left hook, right hook, uh, kinda like Masvidal versus Darren Till, that knockout, and boom, the girl goes down, knocked out right away. Um, she has a powerful overhand right, which her last brave fight she knocked a girl out. Uh, Harper, um, like I said, I think she has a she has a judo black belt and her well her jujitsu belt was purple. It, it may be higher since then. I couldn't find what it is now, but it was purple at least two years ago. Um, she has ways to win this fight for sure. She, she's, I've seen her in bad clinch positions where the opponent is driving her into the fence and she only has overhooks and she's still able to land a, a judo throw and land up on top. She's strong for 115. Um, one question, again, like I said before, is her cardio, though that three-round fight In 2017, which admittedly she lost, but it showed that she doesn't completely gas after three rounds. Right. Um, and, and I think she can win these first two rounds against uh, what I see as an utterly mediocre fighter and random Marcos who has poor fight IQ for like random Marcos, for example, two fights ago, she lost because she went intent, not in, yeah, she went intentionally into Mackenzie Duren's full guard. That That's something you don't do. Mackenzie Dern has the best jujitsu in uh, women's MMA today, and she got fired right away. Um, so I, I think Pinera has the advantage wherever this fight goes on the feet. She's slicker and striking. Neither of them are very strong technically. But, yeah, she's slicker and stronger and striking. She's dropped girls. She has knockdowns on her record, which is something Marcos does not have, doesn't have the power to knock people down. Um, she has that judo. Uh, she's she's really good. Once she gets you down and gets inside control, full guard, half guard, whatever, she's really good at at passing guard and flowing with her opponent's movements. You know, if they turn to the back, you flow to the back. They try to roll out of it. You stay on, on the back um, and roll with them. So I think she can get Marcos, she she, she has more paths to victory than Randall Marcos here. She can take her down and I, she doesn't, she's not, I mean she has submissions on her record but they're more opportunistic submissions. I don't think Marcos is, I don't think Marcos is at the level of those girls at Braves that are just giving up their neck for rear naked chokes and the like. Um, but she does show the awareness and ability to get out of arm bars when she's on top which like i said is one of marcos's best weapons in this fight. The only concern obviously is the level of competition she has faced up until this point, which is just women in brave who are not UFC caliber but and and won a contender series who she knocked out inside of a inside of 3 minutes. So I, I do like her here but i'm not necessarily confident enough to put a full unit on it, but let's look at the odds. Last i looked she was a minus 160 favorite.
0: Um, and yeah, yeah, that's what I have there. right now. 160. You can still
1: get her there at five dimes or one sixty two at Bet Online. You can get her um, at so one
0: sixty I- on Sportsbook. Yep.
1: So yeah, so I'm going here with 0. 0.8 units to win half the unit for Pinheiro money line against Random Marcos. This just feels like one of those matchups. You see, they know what they're doing with matchmaking. You know, this feels like a matchup where they take a prospect and they say, all right, we'll put you against the veteran who has more losses than wins. Right. Same amount of losses as wins, depending on what you count her pro career starting at. And although, and who is a name who's been a mainstay in the division for a long time. And we'll give you this. You pass this, you're a prospect worth our time.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I see it very similar. I think, uh, Half a unit is a fair bet on this one. I wouldn't have been surprised if you went with a full unit. I just think uh yeah. she's she's better. But like you said, there's there's not enough against real high level competition because yeah. From some of these smaller regional, the the level of competition is so different. You know what I mean? I hate to say it because they'd probably all beat my ass, but there's so many chumps in, in the lower levels that it's hard to tell a lot of times. For,
1: for sure. I mean, maybe she was fighting an in Invicta or even Bellator. I'd rate her higher. I'd give her the one unit, but no, 0.8 units here for me. All right. All right. So, um,. I'm skipping the next one as I, I just don't see any value there. The line is too wide. I think Battaglia wins it fairly easily because Carolina kinda sucks. I saw her last fight. She absolutely sucked. But yeah, I, I just it's dogger pass and I don't see value on the dog there. But so on to the main card here where we have a great, great wrestling matchup of Mirab Dvalashvili versus Cody Staman. This is an interesting one for a lot of reasons. A lot of people seem to be on the Davalashvili side, and I lean that way too. Just going to say that off the bat. But people, the the, the line opened at minus 210, and I saw people saying, oh, minus 210, got to jump on that. Now it's like minus 250. And and at first I was like, yeah, Merab seems of a higher caliber, but after really diving into the tape, I don't think the gap is as big as people think it is. Um, well, they're the same height. Uh, Stamen has fought at bantamweight and featherweight, which could be an issue here. His last he his before he was fought fighting at bantamweight, but he fought his last three fights at featherweight against two bantamweights and a featherweight. Um, he, he went one one and one. Although that one loss should have been a win in my opinion against Song Yedong Um, here Mirabell have a three point five inch reach advantage. Mirab, he has a, he's a judo national champion and black belt. He was, uh, came in second in world sambo, combat sambo championships in 2019. He is a national level wrestler, but he, uh, forewent his scholarship to pursue MMA. I, I forget what school. I think Iowa State or maybe just Iowa. Um, he was the former ring of combat bantamweight champion. He has the most takedowns through seven fights in UFC history. Um, I think he has 54 is the stat which he's on pace to break the UFC record for takedowns, which is held by GSP in only uh, six more fights, which is insane. It took GSP, I think 15. No, I forget the stat, but check out numbers MMA on Twitter and you'll see the stat there. He has uh, in two separate fights, he had 12 and 11 takedowns, which is just, that's insane. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. To have that many takedowns, which, and you could criticize him and it's a valid criticism of that. Oh, well, his top pressure can't be that good. He's letting people get right back up, but he is relentless. Mirab has, uh, he has cardio up there with Max Holloway, as far as the best cardio in MMA, although it's different style. He, he's a wrestler, not a striker. um, Right, because he's it just is just relentless.
0: It is important to note that nine of his twelve wins are by decision. Just because exactly he has all those takedowns and just you know pressure and control.
1: Yeah, he he's not a finisher, and and, and uh, Cody Stamen really. These guys are both decision machines. The which the goes to decision odds are like minus two eighty. So I, if you like laying juice, that that's a decent one. But. Um, I'm not going to lay that. I mean, the last time Cody Mirab finished someone was back in ring of combat. He doesn't have a finish in UFC. He's been finished once in the UFC. Um, but it was kind of bullshit. He was fighting Ricky Simone. He was winning. Ricky locked in a 18 choke and time expired in the third round. And for some reason, the referee thought that Mirab was out. He wasn't out. He was conscious, but the referee thought he was out, and so waved the fight off with time expired, like after the bell. Um, oh, that's bad luck. So, yeah, it, it went to the the w- one of those arbitration committees, and they w- upheld the statement, even though it was obvious he had not gone out. Um, it was listed as a technical knockout, even though it was a guillotine choke. Is just one of those really weird, freaky things. But yeah, he has. In the UFC, he started off with those two split decision lost to Frankie Sainz, that lost to Ricky Simone, and now he's on a five-fight winning streak where he's landing just takedown after takedown and against good competition, and some of them like John Dodson and Casey Kenney. He took Casey Kenny down 12 times. Brad Katona down 11 times. Mm-hmm. Brad Katona was undefeated at the time. Yeah. Um,
0: just, he's, just stupid trivia. Stammen is the second guy on the card called the Spartan. We're overusing <laughs> <and> nicknames now.
1: <laughs> and Mirab is the machine and it really fits just cause he's, like I said, he's relentless. So he, he, so I'm going to talk about his striking a little here cause it's kind of, it's kind of wild man striking. He'll just go, like go forward, throwing out wild scuffle through a jab and then a hook. And then he'll get kind of overextended. So he'll regain his balance by throwing a spinning back fist and usually doesn't hit. He'll throw. Sometimes he'll throw a right hook, and then he'll swing back with the back fist as he just charges forward. So his his uh, his striking is definitely something that can be taken advantage of, especially against a sharper striker like Cody Stamen. But he's just so relentless with that cardio. It, for Ramirez, it really all comes down to cardio. His nickname is the machine, and it's well deserved. Um, he and he does despite throwing wild, crazy stuff that's not technical at all. He throws hard and fast. Uh, like you don't want to be hit by his punches, even if they're not going to knock you out, but they won't feel good. And then when you're stunned for a second, he'll be able to clinch you up and take you down Um, with that judo background or just straight up double leg you. Um, And yeah, judo throws, uh, single legs, Double legs, everything. His takedowns are varied and, and efficient. He's good at changing angles, complete them. But his top pressure isn't the best. He stays too low on his opponents, more at their waist than you know, closer to the chest right, which to pin shoulders weight. down. Yeah, exactly. Um, so his opponents will often get up, but then he'll just grab right back up, right onto their hips and throw them right back down, like um, that Casey Kinney fight. He landed 12 out of 24 takedowns. Casey Kenny kept standing up and he just kept throwing him right back down and then doing what damage he could when he had him back down. Um, Mira in in his uh, idle state, let's call it. He's kind of herky jerky. He, he kind of bobs up and down to disguise his level changes and false entries, but when he does level change and enter, it's it's super quick. Um, and he doesn't always commit to those level changes too. If 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 the if he's not going to be able to finish the takedown, he'll stop, uh, get back up and just hit him with the right hand. You know, he he doesn't need to to complete the takedown to feel successful because he knows he'll be able to attempt another takedown down the road. Um, he he has a very solid chin. He has taken a lot of punishment coming in on those takedown attempts or, and his wild man striking style. Um, and, and his chin has always held up. He's never even looked, looked wobbled in his UFC fights. Um, but this is a wrestler versus wrestler fight. So there is always that chance that they cancel each other out. I just don't think that's the case here. Cause Mirab's conditioning and volume is insane. I mean, Stamen is not in bad shape, but he's cutting from, okay. So this is at least what, has been said in the past, uh, last year when he fought, that he cuts from 175 pounds, and when he and when he's 175 pounds, he only has 12% body fat. So cutting from there to 135, I mean, one 145, that's already a pretty decent sized cut, and he would look tired at the end of high paced fights like his fight against Brian Kelleher, but cutting down to 135, that's that's rough and i think mirab's pace is going to make him really tired like even if cody stamen wins the first round by just keeping uh keeping mirab off him it it'll be hard to do that for all three rounds to defend takedowns for all three rounds to keep your distance for all three rounds and effectively counter him i mean you'll get sloppier and sloppier as the fight goes on Ugh. Even, even in a slower pace fight against Jimmy Rivera at, at 145, which Jimmy Rivera is another bantamweight. They fought at 145 because it was short notice. He still looked somewhat tired by round three. Not, not like gassed, not, not at all gassed, but Mirab will be at the same exact pace in round one as he is at the, at, at, at the end of round three. And that's hard, really, really hard to deal with. But, uh, uh let's talk about what Cody Stamen does good. He He throws a lot of short hooks. Um, which is better than winding up for huge hit hooks. Um, sometimes when he's getting hit with a lot of combos though, he will turtle retreat. And, but he is a good wrestler that can, can, uh, use reactive takedowns to get out of those situations. He, he maybe even makes better use of angles on his takedowns than Mirab. He doesn't have the judo background, so he's not going out there tripping people, but he'll grab onto that single leg. Uh, change angles to slam his opponent down. Um, he also uses long rhythm footwork and he'll bounce in and out, in and out, and then right into body or leg kicks or to faint level changes. Um, Cody Simmons, he switches stances, but he's mainly orthodox. He mainly switches, uh, to the southpaw to throw kicks as, as most switch stance fighters do. He has good head movement. He has a good chin. He's defensively responsible, unlike Mirab at times. I mean, Mirable will keep his hands up, but he's not moving his head back and forth to to uh, to duck and to slip punches. Against against Brian Kelleher, who's pretty decent, not a ranked level fighter, but he had an 80% defense. He, uh, Kelleher threw I forget I how many strikes, but he, a lot of strikes. It was a very high volume fight. I mean, he threw 200 strikes in that fight. Uh, Cody Stamen did. Kelleher threw at least 100 and uh And Stateman defended eighty percent of them, but he seemed kind of that. That was a voluminous fight. He seemed more gun shy in a fight against a power striker like Song Yadong or Jimmy Rivera. Song Yadong can put you out with one strike, and yeah. he, he was he was more cautious. Um Although one influence against in against that in that Kellher fight is possibly his motivation was at at an all time high. That was not long after the tragic death of his brother. And I believe it was a car accident. So maybe he was fighting harder for his, his, uh, dead brother. Um, who knows, but what it is, is that he threw a lot more versus Kelleher and a lot less versus Yadong and Rivera. Yadong and Rivera are much better fighters than Kelleher. um, he he can be an effective counter striker with those short hooks i mentioned earlier and but and he could find openings against mirab when mirab does his what i'm going to keep calling wild man striking but mirab i think'll just be able to take them on the chin and keep pushing forward and even if Stamen's able cuz he's a high level wrestler too he was a college wrestler at uh what grand valley state some yeah i'm going to talk
0: about that in a minute all
1: right and uh yeah it, it, but mirab is just he he has more ways to get you to the ground, and I believe more ways to win this fight because of those more ways to get you to the ground and that cardio machine that he is.
0: This fight, um, are you done with your notes? Yeah, All right. Yeah, this fight, um, Stamen. He's he's Michigan dude, so obviously I got love for him and want to support him. You know what I mean? You know how those yeah. guys are from Michigan. Yeah he he wrestled at Grand Valley State, which is a Division two school. So it's but it's a high level division 2 school. You know for re, for the wrestling program is recognized yeah. in division 2. He you know he didn't get into Michigan which would be Michigan and Ferris and Grand Valley State are the three big wrestling schools here and you know that's what what my background is in. And uh yep. so so it's a good school to go to. He didn't make it to Michigan in division 1, but going to Grand Valley State or Ferris in division 2 is actually um Better than going to like Michigan State for wrestling, you know what I mean Michigan State, even though it's Division one is not a the program's not as recognized you know you won't have the chances to win
1: necessarily um is that f- just your Wolverine bias coming out
0: no it it no <laughs> it's it's uh um knowing knowing the state wrestling programs I mean there's gotcha. some stuff state does better, you know even though I am a Wolverine fan, you know that yeah, but um also uh Stamen is. Uh, training at Michigan top team now, and uh Darren Cruikshank closed his gym and he he is now a fighter there and a training partner partner and a part time coach and uh They would seem like the size to be training with each other. And who knows if he's if he's working on a strike game with Cruikshank because Cruikshank didn't have really too much ground skill, but the guy could throw leather so i'm I'm interested to see this fight. I want to support him i don't know if I would put money at him being this much of a dog you know i I might do it for love, but not necessarily for intelligence. I agree with everything you said about mirab he's he's relentless, you know what i mean uh. Yeah. Stamens going to have to do something to keep him off him, and what I think that is is I hope he's been working with Darren, who I've talked to several times. He's a great guy, and you know he's got he's got pretty good karate skills. I I felt bad when they didn't necessarily translate for him into mm-hmm. the UFC, but I'll be interested to see uh, what Stamen's striking looks like this fight because I don't think he's been yeah. a Michigan top team that long yet.
1: I think yeah. I, I think definitely to keep him off him, he needs to use that jab. He he uses a bit, but he more often uses check hook or just, uh, just a short hook. Um, and, and I think that's a useful tool for just stunning Mirab a little bit, keeping him off him. But I, I think it's hard with Mirab's chin and cardio. Like I, I've never seen a wrestler in the UFC with this type of cardio. Because I mean, striking there's you know, striker guys with this cardio, like I mentioned, Max Holloway, but. Grappling wrestling takes a lot more out of you than striking does, you know. And Mirab, they they could they, like I said before, they call him the machine for a reason. They call him yeah, Mirab machine Dvajvili. They call him that for a reason,
0: right? And you and I have talked about it a million times. These uh, Eastern European guys always seem to be relentless.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are. And he's oh shoot, I forget what country he's, he's from. He's from Georgia. He, he's he's another of these. Yeah, he's another of these. There's a lot of good Georgia fighters in the UFC. Ilya Taporia is one, um, Mirab Dvazhavili, another, uh, Giga Chikadze, who's also on this card, uh, Guram Kutsiteladze, uh, George is really on the come up as far as, uh, UFC fighting. That kind um, of- So to analyze the line here, yeah. Mirab is now sitting at like a minus 250 most places after opening at like a minus 210 yeah but you can get him you can looking. get him at
0: 250 is the best odds you can get him right now
1: yeah so i i don't love that i think that that somewhere between 200 and 250 are appropriate odds for this fight but i, d- I don't love that but it, we're gonna have to look past that because like i said uh, excuse me like i said this fight is almost sure to go to a decision neither of these guys are finishers. Neither of these guys get finished, really. I mean, they, neither of them have had a finish in the UFC. Um, Stamen's only been finished once in the UFC by Aljamain Sterling, who coincidentally is a teammate of Mirab, but Mirab's not the submission artist Aljo is. Um, and Mirab's only been finished once in the UFC, but like I said, it was bullshit. So, uh, we look at the, 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 the decision lines here. Um, this is the wins by distance. It Wins by decision is a minus 135, and oh. that's a really interesting bet, and it tempts me a lot. Stamen wins by decision is plus 400. So it depends on what side you're going to take in this. I I, I really wanted to take the value of the, vol- or the play of the vol- really wins by decision, but just the value isn't there for me. Maybe if it was like a plus 100, I would have taken it. But minus money on this play, I'm personally not taking it. Though that that's my lean. I'll, I'll say for this play is Valshvili Philly by decision. Though though like Stamen by decision at plus four hundred has good value too. In general, just fight goes the distance at minus three hundred, minus two eighty on Bet Online. If you don't mind the juice, that's the play. I personally am not playing it as anything can happen in a UFC fight. I didn't know this
0: should be a fun fight. I didn't know those decision odds. I might drop a half unit on Stamen just because Michigan, man, you know, like I said, and that's, and that's not even a eye test or a smell test. That's just a heart bet for the Michigan guy. Totally Uh, understandable.
1: yeah, Yeah. And you can double your odds. It's minus 200 or plus 200 right now for Cody, but Cody by decision plus 400. So, it's worth a shot if that's the way you're going.
0: Uh, and like I said, I, I'm familiar with those wrestling programs. I know, I know Grand Valley State is good, and I know the team he's, he's training with now. I went down to Crookshank's gym twice when he had his own gym when he was still in the UFC and talked to him. Um, yeah. And I think he he's exactly the type of guy that could make Stamen a much better striker. So I hope yeah. that's what they've been working
1: on. All right, on to the next which is Sean Strickland versus what's his face Joko? Uh Christoph Joko. Um Strickland is a guy that I was like I was really high on after his Brandon Allen knockout and then I watched the rest of his career and I was like, oh yeah, he's not actually that great. He's he's decent, but he's not that great. Um and, and, and Joe is a guy that's been hovering around that top 20 for a while. I mean, he had like his last six lost to David Branch, Uriah Hall, Brad Tavares, and then beat Alan Amadovsky, Marc-Andre Barial, and Eric Anders. Anders being really the only impressive win right there. He beat Talos Lytes in the past. Um, so yeah, let's, let, let's dive in. Strickland is, he's moved back and forth between welterweight and middleweight for a while. He, Finally seems to have settled at middleweight where he's ranked now, which I think middleweight is the place for him because he can uh, add muscle to match that long frame of his. he, he, he He's really tall and long. He, he still has a reach advantage at middleweight, though it's not promou- as pronounced as it was at welterweight. He, he's great at parrying punches. Like, often punches don't get through his guard at all. He uses his jab left hook and straight right really, really well. I love his straight punches. His takedown defense is great. Um, he, his last loss was he was finished by Zaleski Dosanto, no. Uh, sorry, Elezu Zaleski, uh, by spinning wheel kick, which those capoeira guys can just get you like that. I, he was winning the fight up until then, though it doesn't mean much when you get caught like that. Um, he is a bit flat footed. That's just his style. He follows his opponents instead of cutting angles. Sometimes he leaves his, leaves his chin in the air too much um which just probably comes with him being tall and rangy uh sometimes he has a tendency to overextend when he can't hit his opponent consistently like in the nordian taleb fight um and that makes him vulnerable to counters which are dangerous because like i said his chin is up is up there high instead of tucked in um his constant forward pressure makes low kicks affect him more as his weight is forward and he can't go back to get out of the way as easily um, but when he does land his straight right hands, he is, is powerful. Um, he, he was losing to Taleb early on, but then he landed that straight right a few times and stunned Taleb, knocked him down twice and finished him. After that, he had to take two years off from a, a motorcycle injury, but he came back and he actually looks better. He's added a teep T-kick to his arsenal that he uses to attack his opponent's body consistently. Um And he stopped constantly pressing forward. I mean, forward pressure is all well and good, but when it's not for a purpose and just to force the action, it's not great. And now he's in a position to evade strikes by sliding backwards out of range when he isn't constantly uh, pushing yeah, forward. Yeah, if you're
0: always pressing forward, um you also become predictable.
1: Exactly. Um He got a tune-up fight in Jack Marshman, but he did what he was supposed to do. In that fight, even though he didn't get the finish, he, there was some fun trash talk in there. He was, be, he was beating Jack up real bad, and he was like, Why won't you fall? Fall down, Jack. Fall down. If you don't fall, I can't get a 50k bonus. Meet me in the <laughs> center, Jack. Come on. And, and it was just a fun fight. Um I I, I I lean towards Strickland in this one. I'll say that right now, even before uh, getting to Yoko. Um just, I think he'll be able to keep this fight standing where he has, uh, a decent advantage.
0: And all the Yoko, money is moving, moving in his direction. All definitely. the money.
1: Um, Yoko, he almost, he always wins by decision. Um, he has a one inch reach advantage over Strickland, which is unusual for Strickland. Um, he, he he's a southpaw, so this will be an open stance matchup. Um, and those, his kicks are open, but he throws, Fancy kicks more than he throws just simple body kicks, you know, like he'll try for spinning back kicks and, and the like. Um, he tries to uh, counter opponents when they come rushing in towards him, but he doesn't seem to like fully commit on his, to his punches, you know, he'll kind of pull back instead of following through. Um, I, I've noticed he's controllable in the clinch, but that's not really a part of Strickland's game. He'll establish that long rhythm, bouncing in and out, and then throw a lead leg high front kick, which is interesting if it lands, but I I haven't really seen it land much and haven't seen it do any damage when it has landed. I I would would just like to see him throw that rear high roundhouse more uh, to the body and to the head. Um, His cardio is meh, partially due to that long rhythm that we see in... Fighters like Rose who, you know, slow down in the later rounds, but Jokos is worse than that. Um, he has, he, he tries for takedowns, but they're below average, you know, for, for a UFC wrestler. I feel like he, he'll often get reversed. Like he'll, he'll try and for a takedown. The guy'll just push him over and end up on top. When he is on top, he's not that great. Got reversed by Amadovsky in, uh, their fight. Uh, which is three fights ago for him. Even though he controlled in most of the fight, Amadovsky's not of a level that should be fighting anyone near the top 20 in the UFC. Um, and in general, just he doesn't throw enough volume. Even though I, I like some of his uh, punches, not as much of a fan of his kicks, he doesn't have enough volume to win decisions consistently for a guy who always wins by decision. So I think Strickland wins this one, but the line is, again, too wide for me to place a bet similar to last time. I mean, I think it's about appropriate, Strickland, minus, well, I have 235 written down here. What is it actually now? Yeah, now it's no more like minus 250. Oh, hey, yeah, I'm seeing,
0: I'm seeing, depending where you look, 270, 275.
1: Yeah, so it, it becomes a dogger or pass situation when the odds get up there, and I don't like Yoko to fight for my money. I, I don't think he's. Gonna go out there and do what he needs to do to really put on a show to beat a ranked guy in Strickland.
0: This is a rough card.
1: There's it a lot is, of them where
0: there's a lot of them where we can lean or you know yeah. give the smell test on, but I don't want to tell people to bet their money.
1: Yep. Yeah. But so here we get to some good ones. Uh, I- Iwan Kutilaba is yeah this you know, a he's fight. lightning in a bottle. He's exciting. He goes out there and does what the UFC wants out of their fighters, which is to get finishes, and spectacular finishes especially. So just real quick, looking at his UFC career, his first fight in the UFC, he fought Misha Sirkonov, which is, that's unfortunate for your first fight in the UFC. Misha Sirkonov submitted him in round three. Then he had the first decision of his career against Jonathan Wilson, which he won. Second decision of his career against and Cannonier, which he lost, but he was competitive in. If, if he had better cardio, he he could have won that. And that was Canoneer's first fight at light heavyweight. And Now we know Canoneer is a top contender down at middleweight. It's impressive that he's able to stand and trade with Canoneer, and and he even ended up on top of Canoneer at times because he does have that sambo and judo uh, background. I see a black belt. Um, I don't see it in my notes. Um, um, let me see. I'll find he, out. Yeah, but and then and then. After that, he had two straight first-round finishes. Luis Enrique da Silva, 22-second knockout. Gadzimurad Antogulov, who was ranked 15 at light heavyweight at the time. Uh, Antigulov took him down a few times, but ultimately, he was able to get back up. I- Iwan Kukulava was able to get back up and finish him with punches and elbows. Antigulov didn't go down to his credit, but he was just ter- covering up and eating so much damage. It was a good stoppage. Then he lost to Glover Chisera. And- Hard to find shame in that. Glover rear naked choked him as he does a lot of people. Round two, um, then he bounced back against Khalil Roundtree, which the Roundtree fight showed he he deviated from his usual MMA game plan, which is just to stand and bang because he he he's always looking for that knockout. But he said uh, uh, maybe I should mix it up and actually use my judo and combat sambo experience. He, he got some good throws against Roundtree, got him down and got into full mount and, uh, really, really hurt him with elbows. Those are some of the most vicious elbows I've seen. And, uh, it took him out. Uh, took Khalil Roundtree out. Then the Akaliyev Saga, which is one that most MMA fans are familiar with. Um, in their first fight, he got hit a couple times early on and then he was foxing. He was pretending to be way more hurt than he was. Um, and the referee stopped it. The referee fell for the foxing when Ankeliev didn't, and the referee stopped it. Kushalaba immediately turns on him, is like, "What are you doing? I was faking it. I wasn't really out. Come on, what are you doing? What are you doing?" Um. Uh, so that that and that was in early 2020. COVID came in there. They had to schedule a rematch after something like that. It got scheduled three times. Uh, rescheduled four times. And eventually on the fourth time it actually happened on the Khabib versus Justin Gaethje card. And, uh, and, and took him out in four minutes with punches. Cause I think Goliath right now is honestly the best light heavyweight in the world. And he's going to get the title sooner or later. So no shame in that either. So we, we look at his game plan as a whole. He's just an aggressive, a super aggressive fighter. Um, his aggression can leave him open to takedowns like against Antigulov, but Dustin Jacoby isn't a wrestler. Um, he may be a little undersized for his division, but he has serious power to make up for it. He's dangerous with his elbows and knees from the clinch. His cardio is suspect in later rounds. I mean, he keeps an insanely high pace for the first round round and a half, but if he gets into that late second round and third round, he will noticeably slow down, um, his striking and his aggression and his, non-economical striking play into that. And the striking isn't economical, you know, doesn't say doesn't conserve energy, wastes movement. Because of his poor footwork in part, he will overextend himself. Sometimes his legs will even cross over each other, which as you know is the biggest no-no in striking uh combat sports. Um and when he's gassed he'll just resort to throwing sloppy power punches overhand rights and the like. Um, I do like his jab and lead hook as range keepers, though, to keep his opponent at range while he tries to set up that big bomb that he's always looking for. Um, though, when he's doing that, sometimes he gets his head out in front of his stance when he's doing that as in looking for the KO. He gets his head out in front of his stance, so it's hard for him to lean back or block. Um... They're just slip punches in general, so he's open to counters, but Jacoby, I don't think has the hands or power to make him pay for it. If you don't know Justin Jacoby's game, his game entirely revolves around leg kicks. Yeah. Um, uh, so, to, but to deal with these leg kicks, which he will have to do at some point early on, I think his best option, and once, one he showed in limited examples versus Jared Cannonier, is to just fire back with power and, and push Jacoby back to where he can't throw leg kicks because he's off balance or to do that until he gets into the clinch then use his trips um and like i said he he does have really nice trips from the clinch He just often prefers to stand and bang um but i think if he wants to he can take Jacoby down and i think even if he doesn't try to there's a good chance he chins Jacoby in the first round and knocks him out um, especially uh some of the ways that he got takedowns versus Khalil Roundtree were off of body and uh, high leg kicks. He grabbed him and just uh, threw him to the ground, and then would posture up and throw bombs, kind of open with short elbows. He can ground and pound Jacoby to a win. All this is leading me to basically say Kuchelaba has a lot more ways to win than Jacoby. Um, Kuchelaba has a great chin. He was able to eat Kananir's biggest strikes, and that's when Kananir was a, a light heavyweight. Um yeah, so Dustin Jacoby is... I, At first, I thought he had made a huge turnaround when I saw his second UFC debut because he had two UFC fights in 2011, lost both, got cut. He went you know around the world fighting for Cage Fury, World Series of Fighting, Bellator, Glory Kickboxing, and then returned to the UFC by way of Contender Series in 2020. So that first fight that impressed me was his fight versus Justin Ledet. He got the TKO really just with leg kicks um but then and i bet on him in his last fight versus Grishin, Maxime Grishin, who was a heavyweight moving down and he looked awful i mean he looked scared of Grishin's size and power which he's a heavyweight so you know he does have that size and power but if you're in the ufc you can't be scared of another man really um he really should have lost that decision Grishin did better Grishin knocked him down twice in the first round which Kuchelaba is definitely going to look at that and be like, yeah, I can do that. Um, one of the times he knocked the, Grishin knocked uh knocked Jacoby down was just a jab. It wasn't even like a, a power jab, like an Usman jab. It was just, you know, like a range finding jab. Right. And, and Jacoby ran, Dustin Jacoby ran right onto it, fell down. Um, I, th- I think I really see Jacoby backing up a lot here on this fight. He's going to want to keep it at distance and use his leg kicks to eat up Kuchelaba from the outside. But, I don't know how well he'll stick to that game plan. He spammed leg kicks versus Ledet and they worked really well to get that TKO. But then he largely went away from them versus Grishin pretty quickly. He threw like five in the first round and then barely did after that. Um He had a speed advantage versus Grishin, but Grishin had much more of an advantage in terms of grappling and power. I uh, was able to control Jacoby in the clinch pretty well. Um And, I think, I think Jacoby might be a bit chinny because he got dropped twice in that first round by Grish, including that one jab that I mentioned. Um, one other thing he does is switch the southpaw to set up his head kick, but I've never seen it really actually land effectively. Overall, this line, I think this line, which opened at minus 130, was it now minus 140? I know it was moving in Kutsalava's direction. Yeah, minus 140, you can still get it. Yeah, minus 145 diamonds, 138 bet way, 139 bet 365, 137 sports bet, 130 on sportsbook, which I don't think most people have, but it's out there. It's between 140 and 130. I think it's kind of a gift. Jacoby isn't that good. His record looks better than it is lately because of that win over a heavyweight in Grishin, which I I scored. Even though I bet on Jacoby, I scored it for Grishin. I thought I should have lost my money there, Um and Kutalaba, swings for the fences and if he's not swinging for the fences he can trip you take you down and ground and pound you out um Jacoby has one path to victory and Kutalaba has a lot of ways to avoid it although Kutalaba's fight IQ might not be the greatest because he really does just come and try to bang bang hit you in the head knock you out He, he even if he just resorts to that I think he can win this fight uh Probably in the first round, I'm I'm calling a first round TKO for Iwan Kutzalaba. So for the bet, I'm going Iwan Kutzalaba for one unit at minus 137. That's the best odds I'm getting right now on a book that I have sports bet.
0: Yeah, I see 138, 140,
1: 139, 138, yeah, 137. They're all right around there. Yeah. Um, And I take this up to minus 150, maybe even more.
0: Interesting color on that because you were talking about Jacoby's leg kicks. Uh, Kuchalaba is now training at Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand. So he might be, uh, you know, he might be a little more well prepared for leg kicks in that style of fighting. I'm hoping. Um, yeah. little piece. I,
1: I, I wasn't aware of that because I, I see, I thought he was still training with his same team in Moldova. No, he, he said
0: Tiger Muay Thai. You know who, uh, you know who else uh, fought out of that camp? One of my favorites. Uh, I mean, a lot of people who, no, who you Brian Ebersaw, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but but no, I love mean, that guy.
1: Right now, Peter Jan, Alex Volkanovsky, a lot of great, great Muay Thai practitioners. Right, he's over
0: there now, so I'm thinking maybe that will help him on that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely should. I mean, we know about Muay Thai guys and leg kicks. So, yeah, that's my bet, Kutsalaba, for one unit. I would agree. I would put money on that as well. Now on to what has real, real, like if you could bet, on Fight of the Nights or Performance of the Night bonuses, I would bet that Cub Swanson versus Giga Chikadze is, is going to be a Fight of the Night.
0: Oh, I th- I think so, too. Before you get um, into it, um, yeah. Cub Swanson is who uh, Cody Garbrandt always wanted to be. Cub Swanson is the original <laughs> yes. fuck you, motherfucker. You know what I mean?
1: He, he is. And I'll always love Cub. I mean, he always came to bang. He has, uh, what is it, six Fight of the Nights in his career. He, my favorite fight in UFC history is Cub Swanson versus Doohu Choi. Uh, that was the, just an absolute roar. Um but he, he's kind of, I mean, he, he came into, he's coming into this fight on a two fight win streak. Well, so he, he won with, uh, a knockout in his last fight before that in Quintet ultra, uh, a, uh, a, a BJJ competition, he tore his ACL. So he was out for a year, right? That's the, really rough on him. That's
0: the the little bit of knock before you get into your analysis is he's getting old and he's got like, uh, 40 pro fights on his career, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or 38. He's I think it is. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, 20, 30, seven, he's 27,
1: 27, 27 now with 38 fights. Yep. Yep. Um, and before that Panada flight he beat Kron Gracie, who I mean, Gracie tells you all you need to know he's a grappler. He was just trying to get close to Cub and take him down the whole fight. Cub just beat the crap out of him. Um before that though, he had a really rough run. Uh lost to Shane Burgos, which is a split decision. Credit to him, Burgos is a tough motherfucker. Uh Renato Moicano choked him out in round one, Frankie Edgar beat him, and Ortega uh famously guillotined him on Ortega's way to winning to challenging Max Holloway for the title. Before that, Artem Lobov win Duho Choi, absolute war and a win. And uh before that, I'm not going to keep going back that far. We're down to 2016. Anyway, so he's kind of making a resurgence, but against lower level competition. You know, he's not fighting ranked guys like Macano, Edgar, Ortega, Burgos anymore. Pineda was somewhat of a prospect, although I mean, Pineda's a vet. He wasn't. A, he's not a UFC vet. Um, he, he had a UFC stint back in the day, got cut, 2014, came back, um, beat Herbert Burns, Gilbert Burns' brother, and then lost to Cub Swanson. So that, that's just a lower level of competition than someone like Shane Burgos, as is Cron Gracie, lower level. So, but then this is kind of a step back up for Cub into the higher level of competition. Giga's, now after Zabit Magomed Chaparov got removed from the rankings, Giga's in there at number 14. Um, and it's very much justified, uh, at Featherweight. Giga has really, really clean kickboxing. He'll have a four inch reach advantage in this fight. I, he, I mean, he came over from glory where he had a thirty-six, thirty-eight, 38 and six record with 22 knockouts. Um, he has a really high level striking IQ. He knows how to set traps and manipulate opponent's movement and defense. Like I saw a video of him explaining his quote unquote Giga kick, which is a kick specifically uh, a left open stance kick to the liver of his opponent, which he sets up by, which usually you set up, kick to the body, opponent's hands drop, kick to the head. He does the reverse. He'll kick to the head. Then he'll move outside to gain the outside foot position on his opponent using uppercut, which draws his opponent's head down, hands up, and then bam, kick to the liver. And that finished a lot of opponents in, in glory. He hasn't finished someone with it in UFC though. He has one head kick knockout in UFC though. It was kind of against the can, Um, in was it Jamie Simmons something something Simmons? (laughs) Yeah, Jamie Simmons in his last fight. Um, But his other fights were against decent competition: Brandon Davis, Jamal Emers, or Rivera, Omar Morales. Who uh, Morales was um, an undefeated prospect at the time. Emers has crazy reach, although he just he doesn't use it to his to its fullest capabilities necessarily still a good win um so this this is a test for this is a real test for giga i mean i don't want to say cubs a a gatekeeper because he still has some excitement let a lot of excitement left in him you know he can still put on fight of the night displays challenge most guys at the bottom end of the top 15 who are guys who are just outside of the rankings in this division. Yeah.
0: I think if if he comes in and he's feeling on that night, he could. you know, he's still of the caliber
1: that he can beat a lot of people. I mean, he, he just always comes to bang. He'll dart in and out landing combos. He'll eat punches to land punches, but he'll trust in his power at featherweight, which is substantial. You know, he has real crack on his blows, which, That's the one thing he really does have over Giga is in his hands. His hands are just stronger. Um, I don't say faster because Giga has pretty fast hands too, but Giga's not knocking anyone out with his hands. If Giga's knocking people out, it's definitely going to be with his kicks.
0: And Swanson isn't afraid of power. You know what I mean? He's not afraid to get hit.
1: Um, Giga uses a, a long rhythm and will use... That to establish hip feints and false entries to get his opponents off, uh, uh unsure of when he's actually going to throw leg kicks or enter to strike with them. Um, his early in his UFC career, you could see he was getting take, taken down a lot because he, he was coming over from glory kickboxing. He didn't exactly know what he's doing, but he's been training at, what is it? Darius's camp, King's MMA. Yeah. He was training under Benil Dariush for a while now and his, uh his takedown defense is vastly improved by uh as I saw in his last two fights. Um he he's good at moving his head off the center line when he's throwing punches, uh, punches, kicks, whatever. He he gets his head off the center of the line. He slips a lot of punches in general, doesn't have to block them a lot of the time. Just great head movement. Um some of his best shots was one, one thing I noticed is some of his best shots land when he appears to lower his guard, like He'll appear to relax, put his hands down like he's resetting and then kind of do the lunge from the hip with the jab and then the straight right like Wonderboy does. And- no, Wonderboy always <laughs> has his hands at the hip. And he, Cub uh, Swanson
0: does that too. <laughs> he, he,
1: he'll, yeah, just lulls you into a false sense of security and, and yeah, do that. Um, he, he'll also use that body kick in that situation, cheap kick or, or more roundhouse um he he has good cardio but he slowed down noticeably in a high the high paced fight versus emers that was the, the you know the highest paced fight he fought in and wasn't really able to keep up in round three but got so far ahead in round one and two that it wasn't an issue and he didn't gas um but he wasn't at his tip top shape i'll say um he, he he uses leg kicks and calf kicks really well, which could be a problem for Cub. Um uh he's shown weakness to leg kicks in the past. I mean his opponent last time, Pineda, really made sure to kick that leg with Cub coming off the ACL injury and it slowed him down a yeah. lot before and Cub lost that first round before he was able to get the knockout in the second round. Um uh, but, but yeah, he doesn't have power in his hands like Cub his knees and kicks can put you down and out. But when he's uh, knocked people, people down uh, like Morales in their fight, it was accumulation of damage than just one punch landing or that, like I mentioned before that Simmons head kick. He's just overall to some of giga chikaze, He's a really, really sharp kickboxer. His combos are fluid. He knows what he's doing. He mixes it up. He's never predictable. He pumps out his jab. Well, uses his leg kicks. Well, Sets up his body kicks and head kicks well. Everything in the striking realms, he does well. He has really high striking IQ. Um, on the other side, we have Cub Swanson, who's much older. How's this, how's Giga? Giga's 37. 30, uh, Cub's 37. Giga's 32. Um, and like I said, Giga will have a 4-inch reach advantage as well as a 4-inch height advantage. And
0: Cub's got a lot this more side. mileage on him, too. That makes a difference
1: for sure. I mean he he's he's been in there with some of the best brawlers like war with Duhu Choi, Max Holloway twice with Frankie Edgar, uh, Shane Burgos, Jeremy Stevens, yeah, Art Lamas, Chad Mendez, yeah. You let's face let's
0: face it. This will be his 39th fight and uh, most UFC guys never get close to that.
1: No, not at all. But he's he's still coming to bang. I mean, he'll come darts in and out a lot. You know, he'll stay at range, then come in, really you just explode. He's, he's such an explosive guy. Come in, land combos, um, and then duck out the back door. Um, sometimes he fights behind his jab, but not always. I wish he would do it better, honestly, because sometimes he'll start his combos with power punchers punches, which it'll catch opponents by surprise. But I feel like he could be more effective if he set those punches up. But he's good at mixing up his targets, if not uh, his punches necessarily. He goes body head, just everywhere, all over the place with his targets. Um, he loves, loves, loves that counter lead hook, uh left or right depending on what stance he's in because he switches stances. Um, and, and that's something that if it wasn't, if it was an opponent who was more aggressive than Giga, would be really important. Giga. Is patient and wants to fight this fight to be at a slower pace, not a super slow pace, but he wants it to be at his pace, and he'll use his reach to enforce. Yeah, that pace.
0: I, I agree with you, on that I think Cub's uh, way to win is pressure.
1: He's got to stay yeah, inside definitely. the kicks and keep pushing the pace. One other way that Cub could win is with takedowns. I mean, Cub isn't Cub is a mixed martial artist but he's not known for his takedowns he's known for his wars but he can mix in takedowns yeah he's not afraid to go in. but um giga i mean giga has the natural physicality to avoid takedowns and i've seen a lot of improvement in his takedown defense under neil Darius, like i mentioned before so i don't think cub will be able to get him down and it'll be hard to set up a good takedown attempt getting inside that range of giga um, Cub obviously has a tremendous chin, so I don't think Giga's gonna be knocking him out even if he lands one of his patent no. head kicks. Um, uh, he, I already mentioned before how he's shown leg kicks coming off of that ACL and meniscus tear a year ago. Um. His KO last time against Pineda was impressive, but Pineda always had his hands low in that fight. Never kept him up to block. He wasn't getting his head off the center line. He was, I don't think he had his hands low because he was overly confident. You know how guys get, I think he just fights that way and thinks that he's good enough to fight that way because he had been good enough to fight that way in lower organizations. You're not good enough to fight that way against Cub Swanson. Um, and Um And yeah, he got dropped three times and finished in that fight. But Giga, is defensively responsible. He'll always keep his hands up and and use head movement. You know he does it all as far as defense. Um Cub, one thing Cub does that I don't like necessarily is he will. He has great head movement. Cub is some of the best. Oh head movement yeah. In the game. But he, he relies on. I was going to mention that. Yeah. He relies on it too much at times. I I, I mean I wish he would block as a first choice and then move your head to get out of the way as as, as almost a backup plan. I mean you can use both in tandem, but. He Cubs almost never blocking punches. He's always trying to dodge them. Yeah. Even in the, uh, yeah.
0: Even in the later rounds, he doesn't slow down. His head is always moving.
1: Yeah. So I feel like this is really Giga's fight to lose as far as from a striking standpoint, if Cub can take him down or chin him, it would be impressive. And it would be his path to victory. I just don't think he's able to do it. I think Giga at this age is more athletic, um, Faster, uh, sharper striker. Uh, they're on a similar level as far as fight IQ. Although Cub more so with his hands, Giga more so with his kicks. Um, Yeah. Oh. That, and th- those calf kicks, like I mentioned from Giga, are going to be hard and really going to eat up Cub's leg. So now let's move over, look at the odds. They opened this. So this the odd movement has been really, really interesting on this one. They opened at my, it opened at minus two hundred. I was like, dang, I can't bet. He got this. Cub might even be the value play, even though I think giga is gonna win. But then they dropped, dropped drastically. Like, let's look at Bet Online here. It opened.
0: Right, let me see, Bet Online. Yeah, opened at plus one hundred
1: five. Minus showing minus. Sorry, minus well, I'm looking at Giga. Giga opened at minus 125, but that was in April. I mean, very quickly the line got adjusted to minus 200, stayed at minus 200 for all of April until the 26th, 27th, a couple days ago. Moved drastically down all the way to minus 140, and now it's back up to 170 on BetOnline. Um, The best odds you're getting here are minus 159 on Bookmaker, um, and I think Giga is worth – I think the original odds of minus 200 on Giga were about appropriate considering his sharpness in the striking rounds see, and his fight IQ. I see
0: 155 on Sports International.
1: Sports International. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, interesting. So, um, for the show, though, I'm only giving out bets on books that I actually have. Sports International isn't one that I have. Right? Just, oh you know, yeah, just, that's just, fine. I yeah. just
0: look at all the ads. That's what. the yeah, things no, no, I'm no, I to understand.
1: Just making that clear for the audience. Um, and so yeah, so I'm going with that minus one fifty nine I see on bookmaker right now, and uh, I'm placing one unit here on Getchikaze. So on to the main event, which is a banger, which isn't something we usually get out of light heavyweight main events, to be honest, although with these new elite light heavyweights coming into the UFC, coming into the top 15, I think that we're going to have some good ones here in the future. And this is one of those. I think Reyes and are two of those new elite light heavyweights. So just, just for fun, I'm going to list them out real quick. Jan Blachowicz, the champion, Glover Teixeira. He was always of a level, but he's really coming to his own, made a run at the age of 42 and is going to fight for the title in September. Um, but then the new elite ones are Rokic, who's second overall, or second ranked. Overall, I got the NFL draft in my head. He's ranked number two. Um, then Jerry Prochazka, who's come over from Ryzen, knocked out Volkan Ozdemir last year at UFC 251. Dominic Reyes, who beat John Jones, and I will not hear anyone say otherwise because Reyes clearly – clear anyone with eyeballs can see that Reyes beat John Jones. Yeah, And then Magomed Ankalaev, who I think is the best of them all, and uh Ankalaev and Rakic are gonna be fighting for the championship within two years. Book it. But anyway, on to this main event. Jiri Prachaska is the most fun, light, heavyweight to tape because he does so much fun, bizarre, crazy stuff. Like he's almost like a light heavyweight Dominic Cruz. Except for I'm not totally sure that he knows what he's doing when he's being that light heavyweight Dominic Cruz. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like Dominic Cruz has the crazy movement, but he has a method to his madness. I think Jiri has a method to his madness. I just don't know how much method there is in the madness, you know? Some of it I think is just him being crazy, which from everything I've seen from his personality, he posts on social media, getting wacky haircuts and just doing weird stuff in the woods uh, it, it fits in that he would just have a weird fight style. Um, and he does that weird stuff mid fight, like in the Volcanoes, the fight 10 seconds in, he went, rah, in Volcanoes, face. Um, and then he started, then he like looked at his hands and like pretended to paint his face in blood or in paint, like Braveheart or something. Um, and, and some doing that showboaty stuff, which I don't know if it's totally showboaty or just for personality, for fun, but it can get him caught, um, with his hands down, which he does have his hands down naturally for his style, like a crazy wonder boy. Ozdemir caught him there in round one and staggered him, um, which was big. Uh, and, oh, cause Ozdemir, although he doesn't look impressive, he is a powerful puncher, but when he got staggered, he ran to the right against the cage, then ran back to the left against the cage. And then and Volkan was just cutting cage, following him. And all of a sudden, Jerry jumps off the cage and punches him in the face. So maybe he was foxing. I mean, he definitely got staggered. Maybe he was foxing how hurt he was just so he could get that opportunity to catch Volkan off guard and jump out and punch him. Um, but being dropped there and hurt one other time in that round with punches are why he lost that first round versus Volkan um he was outlanded by like 17 strikes in it um but back back to the method to his madness if there is one uh there is some such as going to southpaw to kick orthodox opponents uh though that will be interesting how that plays out in this fight because uh, uh Jerry Prachaska is generally orthodox though like I said he switches to southpaw for that but Ray is is a southpaw too so will Jerry Kick from orthodox Will he even switch the southpaw at all uh, I mean he doesn't kick That that often but when he does It's from southpaw so what will he do Versus a southpaw in this fight um, And another thing he does Is while, because he switches Stances so much He's using shifting punches The type used by guys like Dustin and and um, Pyotr Jan um, He has an 80 inch reach which is is Great He's, uh, I think, six four with an eighty inch reach. <clears throat> um, um, so, any he fights behind his jab, he's really effective. He doesn't always fight behind his jab because he fights crazy. Sometimes he'll just rush in and throw hard, powerful hooks. But when he fights behind his jab, he's really hard. To, it's really hard to get around that jab and get to his head. Um, one weakness of his is that he's heavy on his lead leg because because he's shifting and moving around so much and and Taking short little half steps, false entries. He he stays so heavy on that lead leg, and it can be kicked. Uh, Vulcan did it with a little bit of success, but guys in his rising career did it a lot more often. Um, who uh, I have notes? Yeah, uh, Victor Nemkov in uh, so. He, he was the first person to beat Victor Nemkov, who was, as we know, is currently the belt or champion who we had an unofficial bet on a couple weeks ago. One of only two people to beat Victor Nemkov actually in his career. Those are back to back in Ryzen. Um, and he, he beat Nemkov by striking, which Nemkov's a good boxer, but Jiri's so much more versatile. Nemkov had cleaner boxing, but Jiri made it dirty. Although Nemkov, was able to take him down and control him for at least half of the round, which Ryzen has 10 minute first rounds, just in case anyone doesn't realize that. Um, so if you look at Jiri's record, all those first round knockouts, some of them say, uh, punches, six minutes and three seconds in, in round one. That you're like, what? Well, that's because the first round in Ryzen is 10 minutes. You see, decision, one decision on his Ryzen record against Mark Tanos, that's only a 15 minute fight, even though it's a, uh, decision in, uh, in Ryzen it, in a Grand Prix, uh, you know, World right. Grand Prix. It's only a 15-minute fight, 10-minute first round, 5-minute second round. Um, he won that decision, but it doesn't test his cardio as much as a full 25 minutes in the UFC would. Though 10 minutes without a break is still a lot, but just, it's not a full three rounds um, or a full five rounds. Sorry, got sidetracked there. Back to Nemkov. Um, he Jiri off of his back was weak, to be honest. I mean, he threatened an arm bar at a time, but Nemkov escaped it easily, passed legs, kept top position. Um, Jiri never tried to use butterfly guard or anything, just he doesn't seem like he has a good level of jujitsu, although this was six years ago, though in times when he's been on his back since then, like against Carl Albrechtson, who's a great wrestler and the only the other the only other man to be uh Vadim Nemkov. Um, Albrecht had him down for a lot of round one before, uh, before Jiri, uh, knocked him out with three seconds left in the round. He, he showed the same weaknesses to being on his back. Um, and there's one time he got on Nemkov's back due to Nemkov having a failed sub attempt, getting over overzealous a little bit. Um, but, and there's another time where Jiri ended up on top after Nemkov failed to take down and pulled guard, but Nemkov was always able to turn into him and, and get back on top. Um but at the end of that ten minute first round, Nemkov was exhausted. He couldn't stand up. He kept laying on the floor, and so the fight was called as a retirement, and Jerry won the round won the fight, despite losing most of the round by being on the bottom and getting hit with some decent grounded pound. Um one other fight I want to talk about is his first King Mo fight, which is the last time he was knocked out. He only has three losses on his record. One, it doesn't show the method because it was in Serbia regionals. Uh, the other one was a rear naked choke on Fight Nights Global. And then, yeah, his only loss in Ryzen on a bigger promotion was against, uh, Mohamed Lawal as he's more affectionately known, King Mo. I've interviewed this
0: the- King Mo twice, dude. He's a funny guy.
1: He's awesome. That's, I, I didn't know you interviewed him though. That's yeah. awesome. But yeah, um, and this is kind of older King Mo. I mean, it was, 2015 but dude's 40 now this was when he was 35 um and he was controlled Uh, king mo controlled him with Jiri on his back for most of the fight and just king mo didn't try to pass guard just ground and pounded him from full guard which i'm highlighting this and the nemkov fight to show that he has weakness to wrestling and dominic reyes has a decent wrestling pedigree um eventually though they stood back up uh, i mean uh jerry forced to stand up and then he was kind of being reckless he rushed in with a combo and then uh, mo backed up a little out of the range of the combo jerry let his hands fall stopped throwing strikes mm-hmm. and then mo was just like well, this seems too easy bam clocked him in the face um, and, and Jerry went out one punch that, but that was his last loss. So since then he's on a one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven 10, 11 fight win streak, all of which are by knockout, except for one, the decision against Mark Teno's, Um, only one of those has been out of the first round, although remember, consider the rise in 10 minute rounds. And that was the UFC debut against Volkanos Demir. Um, I mean, if you look at his whole rise in and UFC career, He's only been past six minutes in a fight. Four times. Against Nemkov, got to the end of the first round. Against Albrechtsen, almost got to the end of the first round. Against Tanyos, went to decision. Against Brennan Halsey, he won at 603 with a knockout. And then, uh, well, three times. Sorry. Or sorry, four times. Yeah. Cause the fit, uh, then Ozdemir, he almost got to six minutes, got knocked out at four, at 49 seconds of round two. Um, a lot of these knockouts are one minute, 155 against C.B. Dalloway, UFC veteran, 19 against Fabio Maldonado, UFC veteran. He avenged his loss against King Mo, three minutes and two seconds um, uh, in 2019. And you're on his list. It's just first round knockout after first round knockout. I think he has 23 first yep. round stoppages uh, in all out of 27 wins.
0: That King Mo Redemption was in the third round, though. Three minutes into the third oh, round.
1: Oops, I missed that. So, yeah, that's another one. But in general, he rarely gets out of the first round. So, And although his cardio looked decent in that one fight where he did go the distance against Mark Tanos wasn't like great and he hasn't gone 25 minutes with John Jones like Dominic Reyes had Um, one second let me find my spot so yeah I think he because of his heaviness on that lead leg he'll be vulnerable to leg kicks which Reyes uses a decent amount of could also be weak to wrestling like I said Reyes has a good wrestling pedigree um Vulcan was able to take him down with one of the sloppiest double legs I've ever seen. Although Ozdemir popped right back up. It was really just a terrible shot from Ozdemir and Jiri and got put on his butt. Jiri um, throw, throws a lot of flying knees, never finished a fight with it though. Moves in crazy patterns like we've talked about, but that helps to accentuate his already high level head movement, which uses head movement more than blocking to avoid being hit. But he's overconfident in it. I think. I think like like against King Mo, he got chinned really badly because he was just overconfident that he could dodge punches. Um, one combo he especially loves is either the jab over jab straight or any any variation of jab jab overhand or jab jab straight. Um, he loves to use that jab to set up big big power punches. Um, though he has been. I've I, I noticed that he had hunts a lot. That he, there's a lot he could do if he <laughs> used body work against his opponents. Um, that may be his
0: one flaw is because he's so used to his power working that he hasn't uh, refined a lot of his other technique.
1: Yeah, I, I agree for sure. He definitely needs to work on takedown defense and body work. And just, I, I mean, I I'm not going to say he needs to work on not being crazy because the craziness is what makes him so fun. Makes him, I think he could be a draw in the future, you know, like a pay-per-view draw if he ever becomes yeah. champion. But yeah, he could do things to make his style more safe while still being crazy. Um, but he has been caught before by opponents um, who are, hang back and catch him as he comes in recklessly, which is something that Dominic Reyes does really well. Reyes will allow you to come in and then bam, that, that powerful left straight put you down. Well, I mean, Vulcan put him down with it and Reyes is a more dangerous puncher than Vulcan Ozdemir. Um, he switches stances constantly and as he's moving forward, which helps him cover a lot of distance and generate great power. Those shifting punches I mentioned that Dustin and Jan also use. Um, he'll throw single punches from his waist a lot again like Wonder Boy. Um he the the, the combo that allowed him to finish Volkan Ozdemir was a kick followed by a high kick, which obviously was from Southpaw as he kicks almost exclusively from Southpaw. Uh he staggered Volcan and then eventually got the finishing punch with a, a power right hand. Um and earlier in his career in those fights versus Namkov he wasn't as crazy as he is now, so this, you can slow, if you watch his rise in fights, you can slowly see this new style develop and just come out of him. And it's, it's fun, but it does leave openings. It definitely leaves openings for being taken down and being hit with counters. Um, I, I'd love to know if how much of this was like, yeah, coaches telling him to do this or him just. Becoming crazy and doing it himself, right, right. Um, but so yeah, so all in all, he's been held down by Nemkov and Albrechtson, who are, are are solid wrestlers. But and reyes could theoretically do the same with his wrestling pedigree. Um, Ray also has underrated jujitsu. He took second at IBJJF Worlds as a blue belt in 2015. Um. His counter left, like I mentioned, could be a great weapon when Jiri darts in if Reyes can time him, though it is really hard to time Jiri because of his erratic movement. Um, and, and those leg kicks. Um, in fights other than the Yan fight, which the Yan fight is something I'm going to talk about in a second here because it was an anomaly on Reyes' record because of Yan's style. It was just the worst stylistic matchup Reyes could have at light heavyweight. Um, but he bruises easily at times. Like I've seen him have bruises or spots off very few punches. So that could be a medical thing with him. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, Ray's style involves a long rhythm and a lot of false entries. And those false entries set the stage for real entries for takedowns or just power punches. Um, and those power punches, which are from that left hand, are set up well by feinting the jab. And he'll even feint the jab as he's throwing the left knot faint, faint throw. It's like faint throw at the exact same moment. So you've got two punches coming at you or, or so you think and, and the left hand is the real one. Um, he, with his takedowns, he he really likes that single leg. He's good at doing it from the clinch or open space. He can grab on a single leg and then instead of driving through his opponent, it's more of a snatch single like Stipe used on Nganu a lot in their first fight. He snatches that single, changes angles to finish takedowns with while being economical. With his cardio, um, he has good, good heavy top pressure. He rolls with his opponent's movements effortlessly. Uh, although it won't matter in this fight, he has really high because Jerry doesn't attempt takedowns. He has really high level takedown defense. Like John Jones couldn't take him down or effectively control him at all. Um, Reyes has good body kicks with teeps with both legs and that uh, rear leg roundhouse and inside leg kicks, which, as I mentioned, will be important to take away Jerry's move movement and affect his. Low stance. Um, Reyes is defensively responsible, unlike Yuri. He always has his hands up. He has fast hands. He's a high volume striker. I mean, he threw, what, like 300 punches versus John Jones, and even if they only 30% landed, he outlanded John Jones in the fight. Um, he's good at getting in his combos as he steps into range and then just gliding out of range to reset. Although, one thing is that range is harder to get out of versus. Whose footwork and reach make him make it possible for him to reach you in most positions. Um, but going through his fights, that straight left is what dropped uh, Christensen twice and finished that fight in 29 seconds. He knocked out cannoneer also, uh, counter uppercut. To wobble him and then a a lead uppercut to drop him, Mm -hmm. Uh, finish him at the end of a combo, which the combo was left hook, which he had him hurt. And when you hurt someone, you swarm on them, you're often doing hooks. So he came in left hook, right hook, but then mixed it up teeth kick and then a rear uppercut to put Cannonier down. And Cannonier is tough. That's a great win. Yeah. Reyes has a really good understanding of striking. He knows how to jab. He knows that he should jab versus Southpaws fellow southpaws and use the straight right versus or straight left versus orthodox guys just that'll be your most effective straight punch out of each stance um he's good at getting the fight where he wants it he refuses to engage in the hand fight versus guys like osp who that'll be more helpful for them as they're at a striking disadvantage versus reyes um But Jan was the only one who was successfully able to hand fight with Reyes and that is almost entirely why Jan won that fight. Jan is incredible versus Southpaws because he's able to trap their hands and uh, make it so that they can't get into any sort of rhythm with their striking. Um, And then Jan will like to, to, to strike they'll have to use really big movements to free their hand and throw hard from that. Whereas while Jan is using he Jan has such an awkward style. He uses big movements anyways. So when he's trapping their hands and forcing them to throw big strikes to get at it at him instead of smaller strikes like jabs, because the jabs will be just trapped in the hand fight. uh, It makes guys like Ray is unable to effectively strike with him. And then you can see Ray is in that fight thinking about what he has to do and not being able to do it before Jan downloads the data and finishes him. Um, but that's Yuri has, I've never seen Yuri use the hand fight in any of his fights. Um, and back to raise his fight IQ. He gets the fight where he wants it. He's strong in the clinch with the understanding you need. He'll frame and push off to get out to strike. If he wants to be in open space or he'll transition to a single leg He'll only stay there if he wants to be in control there um, where he'll use elbows or, and good held head position to put damage on you as he controls you. He has decent cardio, probably better than Jerry, but he does fade down the stretch, but that's down the stretch in a 25 minute fight, which this is, though I don't think it's going the distance at all, but like a scene as in the John Jones fight, when he won the last two rounds, John Jones won the last two rounds versus Reyes after Reyes won the first three. Um, First three by mine and almost everyone else on the earth's, uh, opinion. Not the judges though. Um, I think he won that fight too. Yeah. You look at the stats, you look, everything points to him winning that fight. But anyways, I just think Jiri is a really interesting striker. He's really not proven. He, his best wins other than Nosdemir are older UFC. Guys and a young, young, young Vadim Nemkov, like six years ago before he's at his prime. He was, what, Vadim was like 23 back then, but beating Dalloway, Maldonado, King Mo at age, King Mo at age 38. He lost to King Mo and King Mo was 35. Those aren't wins that inspire a lot of confidence on their own. I mean, you look at the skills they do, but I think they're on a similar level of striking as a whole. But if you look at the ways. Reyes and Jiri Jiri can win this fight. Reyes has more of them. He'll be defensively responsible and able to defend himself while he tries to time Yuri. and then eventually if he if that's the way the fight goes I think he'll be able to catch him with that left hand counter and put him down and finish him. The other option of course is to wrestle as Reyes is desperate for a win after two Te- count uh, Title fight losses I mean technically losses UFC is not looking to cut him anytime soon But if he loses a third then you start getting into that Danger zone where if you lose another one You, you could be cut despite Not that long ago being in title fights So I think he could use His uh, high level fight IQ To say yeah I'm just going to take this to the ground I'm going to get him in the clinch Which this is back to the small cage Which favors Dominic Reyes Because he may want to wrestle And it, and it hurts Yuri because he will have less room to use his crazy footwork and maneuver around and all that jazz. Um, so yeah, I just think there are slightly more ways for Reyes to win in this one. And especially because he's an underdog, I like him. The line's been fluctuating around a bit. Opened plus 110 went down closer to evens. Now it's back up. We're getting it at uh I see one, on Bookmaker. I
0: see 110. uh
1: 113 is the best, I yes. see. So yeah, 113 is what I got it on on Sportsbet. So I'm placing one unit on Dominic Reyes. I think he has more ways to win this fight. And as an underdog, I'll take that all day. I would have priced him as a moderate favorite. I probably would have switched the odds, to be honest. But Yuri he has minus 130. But <laughs> Yuri he has plus 113 and Ray is as -130. So, yeah, I think there's an edge there. I think Ray has ways to win and yeah, one okay. units. Okay, um I disagree with you on this one,
0: but um your your line is oh, what we do on this show. I'm just color and offering a different opinion. Um the one thing I like is uh Yuri's two wins over Maldonado and CB Dalloway. Those guys are both very good with their hands and he KO'd both of them in the first round. You know what I mean? His style, like you yeah. said, his, you know, he's he's a huge uh
1: dominant cruise, the way he moves. But these yeah. aren't these aren't the prime versions of Dalloway. Dalloway was I 36 at that time and Maldonado right. 40 right. years old.
0: Right, but they're both very pedigreed
1: boxers. And I they I are. just
0: feel they're something if he gets inside on those guys, he can get inside on most people. We'll see. We'll see. I just disagree but with you on
1: this one. You could one. say the same about Ray if if Reyes can get inside on John Jones. Obviously the most insane reach for like every way he, he can get inside he, on Yeah,
0: John, John Jones is probably um he's probably the most skilled mixed martial artist. I don't know about boxing. No, yeah, you know, I agree. just I think specifically.
1: as a striker. Right.
0: So I just disagree with you here, but your play is the play we do. But this is, uh, because you called that bet, this leads us into, I'm not sure if we're going to call it a walking the dog or who let the dogs out or doing it doggy dog.
1: style. <laughs> I think we should go walking the dog because that's a thing. A little inside joke in our Discord server, me walking dogs.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so this is walking the dog. Is that your walking the dog pick, or do you got one that bigger?
1: Dog pick of the day, Dominic Reyes. Right. Um, One other thing I want to point out that I forgot to mention at the time, Young Kutalaba by KO in round one is plus 350. I'm not putting anything official on that. Just saying something to look out for. Almost all of his wins are by around one KO and Jacoby is chinny. Look out for that one. If if, if you want if you want a uh low risk, high reward bet, you know, put a couple cents on that.
0: Alright. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be walking the dog with Cub Swanson here this week.
1: Ooh, okay. So we disagree on the main and main. Should be an interesting yeah. week. Um, should we do, let's do our don't be a pussy parlay, which is uh, I think, again, official.
0: wait, yeah, we're going to do that, I think, I thought I had a sounder for our new don't be a pussy, where is it, <laughs> or oh, I can edit this in. Okay. Alright, let me see, uh. Pussies will continue to do what pussies do. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> All right, this is the Don't Be a Pussy Parlay, where
1: we pick five fights. All right, so I'll start off. I'm going with Loma Bonmi, Luana Pinheiro, Sean Strickland, Iwan Kutalaba, and Mira Duvalishvili.
0: Oh, dude, mine are almost exactly the same.
1: I was see. trying to decide between Vasile and Chikadze, but I went with Vasile even though I feel there's more value on Chikadze for the parlay.
0: No, that, that's my pick exactly, you know, don't be a pussy. That's what it yeah. is, but those are my picks as well.
1: All right, so we agree on the don't be a pussy parlay, it has to be a lock then.
0: Yeah, do we have any um do we have any spread bets on the decisions you want to mention?
1: No, just the, the only one that I might advise is Mirab and I looked at those this week and I think a lot of these could go to decision, but a lot of the lines are juiced. Um, yeah, so Mirab versus Cody Stamen at minus two eighty, minus three hundred is so juiced, but that's almost definitely a fight that's going to the, to the judges' scorecards.
0: Right, and what's the uh, what's the spread on the point decision?
1: Oh, no uh, point spreads aren't out yet for um for oh, really? online. so uh, we gonna are, ha- we're
0: gonna have to do supplementals every week for that, aren't we yeah
1: maybe it, yeah. but i don't I don't really see any I like per se this week, so i, I think unless, unless we see really
0: some right unless we see something good if like, we do
1: if we do, we, we
0: will record a supplemental tomorrow just putting those out there because we wanna be yep. clear on what we think. Okay, everyone, we don't have outro music yet, but we will find some soon. There's our picks. Um, we're going to put them up online so you can have them by tomorrow and get the hottest information in the UFC betting game. Val, thanks for being here. You got anything you want to plug? You do, the Twitters.
1: Yeah, uh, so give us a follow at at Pod. All one word on Twitter, and if you want, follow at ThugSimp on Twitter for my account where all I do is simp for Rose Namajunas. And, and do we
0: want to um, plug some of our friends, like uh, the MMA numbers guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll put his thing in the description for the episode, which I think we should do every week. All Although right, yeah. it's hard this week, there's not that many, much data because Ryzen doesn't keep or doesn't release that publicly, so. And Jiri only has six minutes of UFC fight time, so it's not, like, you know, a super useful uh, thing. All right, cool. See yeah. raises stats.
0: All, right, um, all right, that's it. We'll cut it out there. Um, I'm
1: going to start.